what a blessing it is for us to be back to Greenwood Baptist Church. Pastor Chad, he just mentioned that you have been behind us for the last 28 years. Time flies. I do have some gray hair already. You might not be able to see from a distance, but when you get close enough, you see that I also have some gray hair. Right, Wayne? <laughs> I was a college student. I was in my last year at Bob Jones University when I came here with my wife, just the two of us. We did not have children yet. And we came to this place, to this church, and we had a wonderful service. I think I just gave my testimony. And after sharing my vision, my burden of going back to Brazil and establishing Bible-believing churches, the church that was here back then, some of you were here as well, decided to take us on for support. And that was so exciting because I was still in college, lacking a few more months, and I had nothing to show you but my own vision, my burden of going back to Brazil and doing something for God. And you believed in us. You believed in me, you believed in my wife, and you took us not only on for support, but I think you put us under your wings and you sent us to Brazil just a few months later. And we went to Brazil. Back then, we went in three because Rochelle was born just a few months later. And 28 years later, we are back to tell you that the dream has come true. And together, we have established in the last 28 years six strong Bible-believing churches. And they are not only my ministry, but they are our ministry. We have established a Christian school named under my pastor's name, Jimmy Rose Christian School. I am on the radio three days, uh, three times a day and seven days a week. Isn't that a blessing? BBN International. They have three radio stations in Brazil, and they also operate through the internet. And we have been able to reach people from all over the place, Portuguese-speaking countries and Portuguese-speaking people. We have received letters from places that we didn't know they exist. So God is using us in spite of ourselves. And you have not only taken, taken us for support, but uh, 17 to 19 people from this church went to Brazil in the year of 2000. And these people, they literally helped us to build the foundation of our first church. You built the foundation of our first church. And today that church that you built the foundation for is considered one of the strongest fundamentalist Baptist Church of the country. So this is what missions is all about. 
doing for others what others have done for you. And I want to thank you so much for what you have done for us. And I promise you that all the churches we are establishing, they are being taught to be missionary-minded like you. The truth is that our money in Brazil is not as strong as our money here in the States. Yes, here in the States, the cost of living is high and it's getting higher. In Brazil, the cost of living is as high as it is here. But the difference is that the minimum wage in Brazil is about $300 a month. And most of our people will make only $300 a month. And the cost of living there, it is as high as it is here. But my pastor used to say that nobody is too poor to give to missions. So they're giving according to their abilities, but they're giving. And they're being taught to do for others what others have done for them. Now, I'm so sorry for you because I just came back from Brazil. And in Brazil, we don't speak English that much. So when I come back to the States, my English is rusty. And it takes me three months at least for my English to come back. Now, in spite of that, how many of you are understanding my English? Raise your hand. Wow. <laughs> this church has the gift of interpretation. <laughs> what are you teaching these people? Because they are understanding tongues. I have learned to appreciate your pastor. Because he and I, we have something in common. All pastors should have that in common. He loves the word of God. And he not only loves the word of God, he stays in the word of God. And this is what a pastor is all about. He is to preach the word of God, not the word of man, and not his own word. So Pastor Chad and I, we did the same thing during this pandemic. As soon as we had the pandemic, March 18 of last year, people asked me, what are you going to do now that the churches were put in lockdown? And back in Brazil, we were put in lockdowns for almost six months. And even after we came back, Pastor read Harold's letter, 30% capacity. That's not a church. So people ask me, what are you going to do? I said, I'm going to preach the word of God. I'm going to preach and preach and preach the word of God. I'm going to abide by the word of God. People are going to look for answers in, in science, in politics, but I believe with all my heart that all the answers we need are in the Word of God. So we have been preaching the Word of God during this time. And the Word of God is, is, is causing miracles, one after the other, one after the other. And we are so grateful because He did not leave us alone during this time, but He gave us His Word, and His Word blessed our souls. Pastor asked me to preach, and I'm already preaching. I'm already preaching. I want you to open your Bibles to the book of Luke, chapter 16. I know we are not supposed to teach doctrines out of parables, and I'm not going to teach 
doctrines this morning because you have a teacher who is your pastor. But I do want to use a parable to teach us today is spiritual truth. Because this is spiritual truth, they are universal. They were true in the days of Jesus, and they are so true in our days as well. And this parable is very dear to my heart. It's the parable about the unfaithful steward. All of us are stewards of the Lord Jesus Christ here this morning. He has given us so much. He has given us life after this pandemic. I saw so many people dying back in Brazil. Right now we are approaching 550,000 people that died due to this pandemic. I saw some of them around myself. But as soon as we were in this pandemic, all the six churches we have established, they got together with me online. From my house, from my home, I preached and I taught them for at least five months. All the churches gathered together on the internet. And we prayed and I prayed my first prayer, March 18 of 2020. I said, God, we are not more special than other churches, but you put me here, and it is my obligation to pray for the churches that you have given us, the churches that you have put under our care. And I ask you, Father, if it is your will that none of us will perish during this time, that you will keep all of us alive and safe so we can live longer and say and serve you longer and serve you better. And although we have seen so many people dying around us, even some people very close to us, by the grace of God, and I know it's still too early to say that because the pandemic is still very strong in Brazil, but by the grace of God, 17 months later, nobody from the six churches has died. A bunch of them got contaminated. The last church we established, I believe with all my heart, they created what we call herd immunity. Almost 100% of the church got contaminated. Some of them got very sick. They were rushed to the hospital. But by the grace of God, we have not lost one single member of our six churches. Nobody in my family got contaminated. That's a miracle by itself because I myself had to take some people to the hospital. As a pastor, I could not hide myself. I had to go out. And God, in his mercy, kept us safe. One of my doctor's friends, he said, be careful. Your blood type is the worst kind for this kind of disease. You are A positive. Be careful. But in spite of that, God kept us safe. So I give God all the glory. 
I do not deserve what he has given us. I do not deserve what he has done for us. But in exchange, I am grateful. So the parable says, And he, Jesus, said also unto his disciples, There was a certain rich man, which had a steward, and the same was accused unto him, that he had wasted his goods. I would say that Jesus is the rich man and that you and I are the stewards and that he has given us so much. But whatever he has given us, our cars, our houses, our jobs, our money, our investments, our health, our lives, whatever we think we have, even our families, they are not ours we have to return all the goods he has given us during this lifetime one day back to him. When I was a young boy, my pastor taught me that when someone allowed me to borrow one of his items, let's say a book, for example, after using the book, I should give it back. And I should give it back the same way or better than when I first got it. So when I borrowed the book from my friends, I made sure that I would not destroy the book. I would not cause any damage to the, to the book. And many, many times, I would fix it and give it back in a better shape. So we learned from this parable that one day you and I are going to give a report to the Lord Jesus Christ. We missionaries come back home on furlough and we come to visit our sending churches and we kind of give a report back to you. Pastor told me I did not need to do that this morning because he, he already keeps track of us through our letters. But the truth of the matter is that all of us one day will give a report before the Lord Jesus Christ just like this steward. And he called him and he said unto him, How is it that I hear this of thee? Give an account of thy stewardship, for thou mayest be no longer steward. Let me know what you have been doing with all my belongs. I like to say my family. I like to say my wife. I like to say my daughters. I like to say my churches. I like to say my life. But none of this is actually mine. God can take them away from me at any moment. Or God can take me away from them at any moment. I am here this morning, but I might not be here tonight. So I need to wake up every morning reminding myself that I have nothing and everything I am and everything I have, I owe to the Lord Jesus Christ. Then the steward said within himself, What shall I do? For my Lord taketh away from me the stewardship. I cannot dig to beg. I am ashamed. I cannot dig. Was he perhaps an elderly person? Not able to dig anymore? 
But he did say, I'm not going to beg. This is too embarrassing for me to do. So when you can no longer work and you're not willing to beg, you don't have that many options, do you? And I believe the time is coming when we are not going to be able to work anymore. We are not going to be able to work through the church anymore. We are not going to be able to work for Jesus anymore. My pastor, he left us this last week. He went to be with the Lord. But for the last five to six years, he was not able to preach. And preaching was his life. He was not able to even go to church. And church was his life. And each time I went to visit him, he would cry. And he would say, just pray that I'll be able to go back to the church. Just pray that I'll be able to attend the services. But God did not allow him to go back to the service. For the last five years, God did not allow him to go back to preaching. He was too weak for that. So the time is coming when we are not going to be able to work for Jesus anymore. As a pastor, I go to the hospital and I make visits. I visit our people that are sick. I visit our people that are about to die. I visit our people that have received a very bad diagnosis from the doctor. And each time I go to see these people, some of them, they say, Pastor Rom, I wish Jesus would heal me and give me my health back so I would go back to the church and I would sing and I would go out on visitation and I would go out evangelizing my neighbors, my friends, my relatives. I never say this out loudly, but I think within myself, how come they didn't do that before? How come they didn't think about that before they got sick? Before they, co they could no longer dig? How come they did not think about working for Jesus when they had the best of their abilities? This young lady told her Sunday school teacher, do not count on me. I do not plan to serve Jesus as a young lady. I have a life in front of me. I want to enjoy life. I want to take advantage of my life. Do not count on me. When I am older, then I will serve Jesus. And I will be more faithful in church. But not now. Those words hurt the heart of that loving Sunday school teacher. She cried for her student. Then she had an idea. She went by a flower store. And she bought beautiful roses, red roses for her student. A dozen of red roses. Beautiful roses. And she put those roses inside a beautiful package. And she wrote a wonderful, beautiful card. But she did not send the package. She waited seven days before sending the package. So when the package arrived at that young lady's house, she was so excited to see the package, so beautiful. She got even more excited when she read the card. But when she opened 
the box she found dead, wilted, red flowers. She got so upset, disappointed at her teacher. But then she learned the lesson. She understood she was about to do the same thing with the Lord Jesus Christ. She was going to use all her life, all her strength, all her talents for the world and for the flesh. And if she survived, she would give whatever was left for the Lord Jesus Christ. And some of us are doing that. We are waiting too long to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. We are waiting too long to be more involved in the church. There are people out there that only you can reach for the Lord Jesus Christ and nobody else. I like to say that shepherds take care of the flock, take care of the sheep, but sheep produce sheep. Amen? Amen. Sheep produce sheep. When I come back to Greenwood Baptist Church next time, there will be more people here if each one of us Each one of you understand that sheep produce sheep. But we are sure that if we bring more sheep into this church, they will find a shepherd here. The steward said, I am resolved what to do. That when I am put out of my stewardship, they may receive me into their houses. Who are they? Who are they who will receive him in their houses? These are people that he had no relationship with yet. These are people that had the relationship with his master. Or these are people that his master cared for. But he believed that by doing good to these people, he would be rewarded. He was not wrong. So he called every one of his Lord's debtors unto him and said unto the first, How much owest thou unto my Lord? And he said, An hundred measures of oil. And he said unto him, Take thy bill and sit down quickly and write fifty. He was playing with the Lord's money. It was not his, but you know what? He was still the manager. And he had authority to do that. So he negotiated the debt. And rather than paying a hundred, you can pay me 50. It's better to receive 50 than to receive nothing. And it's better to pay 50 than to pay 100. That happens in Brazil all the time. Companies are owing the government. They don't pay because they know that in 5 to 10 years, the government will negotiate with them and allow them to pay half of their debt. That's not good, but they take advantage of that. So did the steward. Then said he to another, And how much owest thou? And he said, 
and hundred measures of wheat. And the truth of the matter is that everybody we meet in this world owes the Lord Jesus Christ. Some of them we owe more, some of them we owe less, but every human being in this world owes the Lord Jesus Christ. They are sinners. They are guilty. They are condemned without the blood of Jesus in their lives. So we are never going wrong when we are witnessing to people. It doesn't matter who they are, where they are coming from, how old they are, their job, their profession, their social status. Everybody owes to the Lord Jesus Christ. Some of us owe big time. I remember when I was a college student, I flew to Alaska. And next to me, a Harvard student. A Harvard student. And she asked me where I went. And I said, I go to Bob Jones, a Christian school. So next to me, Harvard student. Next to her, a Bob Jones student. So she was so intellectual. She was so smart. And she began a conversation about evolution. Poor girl. A week before, I just had a course on creation. I was ready to go. So we began our conversation, and it became a debate. And most of the people inside the airplane were able to participate in the debate. They were able to hear the debate. And there was a, this Brazilian Bob Jones student debating the American Harvard student. Third minutes later, she asked me to stop. And we traveled five more hours without talking to one another. <laughs> you never go wrong when you have the word of God at your side. Everybody owes the Lord Jesus Christ. Then said he to another, And how much owest thou? So everybody owes. And the Lord commanded the unjust steward. Not because he was unjust. Jesus would never command us for being wrong, for doing what is wrong. But the verse says, he was commended because he had done wisely. Wisely. I believe that we lack wisdom most of the time. We lack wisdom as parents raising our children. We lack wisdom as husbands taking care of the wife. We lack wisdom as Christians our relationship with God and with His Word and with His church. No wonder the Bible says wisdom is the main thing, is the principal thing that we can apply to our lives. But Jesus, the Lord of the parable, commanded the unjust steward because He had done wisely. For the children of this world are in their generation wiser than the children of light. 
To me, this Bible verse is one of the most offensive verses in the Bible. Jesus used very strong words, offensive words, towards each one of us. We are the children of light. Amen? But he says here that the children of the world unsaved people when it comes to the use of money, when it comes to the use of resources, when it comes to the use of talents, they are wiser than we are. That's why they sing better than us. My pastor used to say that if you go up to the moon, you are likely to find a sign there which says, drink Coca-Cola. When the world has a message, it does not count the cost to spread that message. To make everybody believe that message. Right now, the message in the public schools, secular schools in Brazil, and I believe here in the States, is that boys are not boys, girls are not girls. And they are spending billions of dollars to make this message known to all the world. The message now is that marriage is not necessary. That two people of the same gender can be together. And they are sending this message all over the place without counting the cost. They're fighting for this flag. Are we fighting for our flag? The Christian flag? Are we getting involved in spreading the word of God and getting people saved and rescued from this world? No wonder, Jesus says, when it comes to the use of money, the world is smarter than we are. They invest much more in their projects than we do in ours. I remember when I got my first job, I was only 12 years of age. I was a new convert, but I had learned about giving my tithes. When I received my first paycheck, my father told me, now you need to give your tithes. And I asked him, what is that? And he told me, it's the 10th part of your salary. I received 80 cruzeiros back in those days. So I had to give eight cruzeiros to the church. Better yet, to the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Then my colleagues, my friends at work, they mocked me for giving my tithes. And yet I had to walk a long distance, more than three miles, to go to work and to come back home every day. I had, I had no bicycle, nothing, to take me to my workplace. But I remember answering them, you also give your tithes? And they said, no, we don't. We don't go to church and we don't give our tithes. I said, you do? And they asked me, how, do we, how can we give our tithes? I said, because you drink, you smoke, and you're giving your tithes to the devil. Let me give my tithes to the Lord Jesus Christ. 
and I have been giving my tithes since I was 12 years of age. But the Lord, he says here, the children of this world are in their generation wiser than the children of light. It is so hard for us to accomplish the work of God in our days, isn't it? Sometimes we have the impression that we are so alone. But the world is never alone. Everybody is always together to accomplish their intent. And I say unto you, now Jesus is applying the parable to each one of us. Now forget about the unjust steward. Forget about all the debts he forgave. In Jesus' name, forget about the world being smarter than us. Now I'm talking to you. Now I'm, I'm talking to each one of my children. I say unto you, make to yourselves friends of the mammon of unrighteousness, that when, they, that when ye fail, they, these friends, may receive you into everlasting habitations. I say unto you, make to yourselves friends of the mammon. Mammon is money. So Jesus is asking us to make friends with our money? Yes. But I always thought that friendship is free of any charge. And it is, but not friends for eternity. To do the work of God costs money. To accomplish the ministry costs money. Now, why is it called unrighteousness? Because the use of money is more frequently for bad purpose than for good purpose. That $5 bill, $10 bill you gave this morning during the offering, yesterday was probably used for gambling or prostitution or for drugs. But today, because that mammon of unrighteousness was in your hand, it was used for the honor and glory of God. So Jesus is asking us to use this ungodly money for his honor and for his glory. That when he fail, it means that one day we are going to die. And when we die, we are taking nothing, nothing to heaven. We are leaving everything behind. Our houses, our cars, our investments, our talents, even our personalities are staying behind because in heaven, I'm going to have a new personality. Amen? Everything is staying behind. One day I'm going to fail. One day you're going to fail. If COVID does not take us to heaven, some other disease will. It is just a matter of time. We are going to fail. One day we are. But then Jesus says, when that happens, the friends you have made with the mammon of unrighteousness will receive you where? In the everlasting habitations. This is the best investment 
you and I can never make. Thieves, climate change, nothing will be able to ruin this investment. This investment is sure. This investment is forever. My pastor, who was a missionary in Brazil for the last 40 years, he was there for 40 years. He used to say, one day in heaven, you're going to see hundreds, if not thousands of Brazilians that were saved because of missions. Because of the money that you were able to send out with your missionaries. Today, I'm only one Brazilian standing before you and thanking you so much for all the investment you have made through us on the behalf of missions. But one day in heaven, yes, you're going to see hundreds, if not thousands, of these friends that you have made for all eternity. As soon as I learned about my pastor going to heaven, and Pastor Chad, I, I missed him by a day. Can you believe that? I arrived, I was going to see him on Monday. He died on Monday. There was no time to see him alive. As soon as I learned about his going home, I sat down and I wrote this letter to my friends. I sent a letter to Pastor Chad. Behold now, I perceive that this is in a holy man of God which passes by us continually. My pastor and my hero, missionary Jimmy William Rose, went to be with the Lord this morning around 5.30. He was gracious both in good health as well as in infirmity. Everything I am and everything I have, I owe to the ministry of the roses in Brazil. Jimmy Rose led me to Christ through his preaching and personal testimony. And Mrs. Rose taught me to pray and read my Bible. They both embraced me as a young teenage boy when I had no mother at home. I will never be able to repay them for their influence in my life. After suffering for so many years, my pastor is now in the presence of his Savior and God, whom he served so faithfully. How many of you can say right now that making friends for eternity is the most important mission of the church. I got saved when I was only 12 years of age. I used to work behind the counter of a bar. My father owned the bar. I was only 12 years of age, serving liquor to the customers. I knew how to mix all kinds of drinks. And when my father was not watching, I was drinking a little bit here and a little bit there. And I was dreaming about the day that I could become just like one of my father's customers. But this missionary 
who is now in heaven. This American missionary, American church is sent to Brazil to make friends for eternity. And I am now one of these friends. He came to the bar, not to drink, but to share the word of God. And he called my father aside and he showed my father how to be saved, how to be forgiven of your sins, how to have a life completely changed by the power of God. And he told my father, Mr. Ribeiro, if you want to serve God and save your little boy from an anguishing future, sell this bar and come to church with us. In less than a month, the bar had been sold. My father went to the church. I, as a little boy, was going to follow my father's steps one way or the other. And I went to church with my father. And a few months later, I understood the gospel. And I knelt down before Jesus. And I received him as my only and personal savior. Now I tell parents all over the place, whatever decisions you're making today will affect the lives of your children tomorrow. You have made the right decision by coming to the church this morning. You have made the right decision by following the word of God, by being a Christian, not only by name, but by action. Because this life is so short. And just like my pastor, Soon, you and I will be giving an account to our Lord. An account of our lives. How we lived here in this world. Are you ready? Are you a faithful or unfaithful steward?